Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome to The Ralph Report for a Tuesday. It is April 9th. I am your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman, sitting Across from me here in the Batcave is the vice host himself, Mr. Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. It's all over now, right? The Indiegogo campaign's all wrapped up? Well, it's officially over. Oh, I I hear a loophole. (laughs) There is a loophole. I see a giant, gaping (laughs) loophole. It's a humongous loophole. A big, lubed-up loophole. Just waiting for something to slide into it. Lube my butthole. Um... What happens with Indiegogo, if you hit your campaign number before the campaign officially closes, it gets kicked in this thing called In Demand, where the campaign will stay open until I close it. Wow. Because I was able to raise the, the funds before the end of the campaign. campaign. So, so you're an Indiegogo baller, and apparently. so they say, yeah, let's run let's with it. Let's get some more funds. So if anyone out there still would like to donate, Great. it's open up for another couple weeks until, we, until we're going to shoot. I'll close it down when I go to shoot. But if anyone wants to pitch in a little bit more, there always you go. helpful. Here's your opportunity if you thought (laughs) damn it i missed a chance to contribute to the great eddie pence uncomedy unspecial no there's gonna be comedy oh i'm sorry it's not uncomedy the uncomedy special yes it's an unspecial comedy oh an unspecial comedy special there will be comedy in it okay wouldn't it be great if you just stood there (laughs) just did no comedy and did like a like a slam poetry reading you just did some really dark twisted poetry stuff i wrote in my youth yeah (laughs) Some real emo stuff from your childhood. So, yeah, here's your chance. You can still contribute. So you can still you... contribute for another couple of weeks if you want to. If not, just share it or Throw whatever. some money at the boy. But I appreciate everything so far, and I think we have enough money, but more always helps. Consider Eddie sort of like <laughs> a comedy stripper. There. He's on the pole. He's just working for your dollars, and he's trying to work his way through grad school, for God's yeah. sakes. If you ever threw money at a stripper on a stage, just consider Eddie like a comedy stripper yeah. and just throw him a little tip. Give him yeah. a little something to make it worth his while. I'm a comedy whore. Just throw it at me. That's right. Anyway, uh, best of luck with all that. Thank Today's you. show is going to be jam-packed, so we have no more time for tomfoolery. Certainly no time for shenanigans. No. we got to move right into hijinks? things. No, no, no certainly hijinks. no room for hijinks. Damn it. No, we've got a lot of show today. Steve Ashton will be stopping by with a brand new UK update. We have more with the great Jerry Ordway, comic legend Jerry Ordway, and I mean comic book legend, not comedy ha-ha legend. Uh, Of course, it's Tuesday. That means it's time for TV Tune Tuesday. I need to play this again because we may never hear it again. TV Tune Tuesday. You look look so sad when you start to play. (laughs) That perfectly acceptable jingle may be going away because uh, John Cooperman, he's back. He's back. He's back with an apology and a brand new version of his theme song. Sans jizz. But he's, yes. But here's here's the problem is by uh, by doing a jizz laden jingle, <laughs> Cooperman, you know, we couldn't accept that. There's no way we could use that every week. He left the door open yeah. for other people to you step can't up. Can't do that. You can't so do I've that. So I've got we've got a bit of a uh, a thing today. We're going to be going through several oh. other options. I thought we just had one other option. Oh no, no they've more. come pouring in. Oh, Cooperman, you messed up. Buddy. You left you left the door open, son. Now you got some real competition. So we're going to have to go through those and see if any of those are uh, serviceable. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, all the usual stuff that we bring you each and every day, including. Hearing from you, the lovely and talented Garmy. We love you so much. We love it when you write us, and we certainly love it when you leave us those voicemail messages on the Ralph Report hotline. It is 1-833-HI-RALPH. It's always great to hear from you. I read every email. I listen to every voicemail, and then I grab a select few when we put them at the top of the show here in a segment called Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The garbage is on the line. Ross gonna play your calls now. Let's see what's on your mind. You know, not everybody is um, panicked 
about the idea of holiday or holiday going away. Oh, really? Yeah, Lindsay called in, and she's got the right attitude. Hi, Ralph. Lindsay in Arkansas. I am calling to not advocate for the end of holiday or holiday. We all love it. It's been a great run. Cooperman, classic, can't get enough of her. <laughs> right. However, I'm excited by the prospect of, like, of this day in history. I'm a history major. It gives us a lot of opportunities for Eddie is wrong. We'll probably have to put the show on hold a bunch, but right. I can't get enough. Fuck you, Eddie. So, like, we could get some of those good drunk Eddie thoughts even out of this day in history. Just bear with me. I think it is an adequate and exciting replacement for the upcoming shortening of holiday or holiday to one day a week. Love you, Mina. Bye. That's the attitude, Lindsay. Don't mourn what may be passing. Look forward to the future. Yeah, be excited for what's new. This day in history could be anything. Can you oh. imagine the craziness we're oh. going to come across? My God, I won't get a thing right. You're going to be so wrong so much. And we can talk. I'm sure there's this day in history, the, you know, the tripe sandwich was oh, born or sure. something. Someone we'll decided to eat a cow's stomach and thought it was a good idea. There'll be things Eddie won't eat. It's going to be glorious. <laughs> I promise you. And uh, Lindsay, for you. Fuck you, Eddie. I'm sure there'll be lots of that. Too, I'm sure. So we'll I'm be, sure. That's the attitude, though, Lindsay. I like the way you think. Progress. Moving forward. Yes. Uh, what, speaking of things that Eddie won't eat or may eat, we don't know. We're still this week at some point. I got to get my hands on some empanadas and we're going to have the live empanada taste test here on the Ralph Report sometime this week. I've been getting a lot of stuff on Twitter about it. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards trying an empanada. I really like, I think, think you I really, might like it. I think it. a beef empanada I would go for. Yeah. That sounds so dirty. Think, <laughs> that sounds would, like a real euphemism. I would, I would take a hot beef empanada. I'm giving her the beef empanada the other night. <laughs> so during that conversation... Eddie was a little bit uh, confused about exactly what an empanada was. Yes. And he said, is it that airy uh, dough thing that gets fried up and put powdered sugar on it? And it turns out that's not an empanada. But we didn't really know what he was describing either. I mean, I sort of I sort of knew what he was getting at, but it, we didn't really define it. So a lot of people wrote in and called in and said, you might have been thinking about a beignet. Were you thinking about a beignet? I think so. I used to work in a Mexican restaurant. I was a fry cook in a Mexican restaurant. And I used to make those for the dessert, but I don't know what they were called. Huh. Well, a beignet is a Cajun, like a French version of what you're describing. Oh. So that probably wasn't I mean, it. No, probably not. Uh, what about a Mexican <laughs> airy dough fried thing with powdered it was sugar a Mex on it? It was a Mexican restaurant called Carlos O'Kelly's, so I guess it's Carlos sort of Irish. Carlos so it's Irish Mexican. Lord. I don't know. Well, I still not, I'm not sure exactly what you're going for, <laughs> but know. we had another suggestion okay. about the Italian version yes. of a snack just like that, and that came to us from Bridget from Long Island. We haven't heard from Bridget in a minute. Bridget from Long Island again. The fucking double pastry that you deep fry with the fucking powdered sugar on top is a fucking Zeppelin. Those things are fucking God's gift to this world. They're fucking amazing. It's heart attack on a paper plate with the fucking powdered sugar. You get them at all the really good Italian feet. You deep fry it. And all of the, 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 the greases and shit that you the oil that you deep frying it in, the better they taste because it just absorbs all the fat and and it's going to kill you, but damn, you're going to enjoy it while it kills you. LMB. So Bridget recommends the Zeppoli, which is sort of the Italian Ze version okay. of that. And I've had those. They do it. Uh, they've got a big feast every year down in Hollywood. Jimmy Kimmel's part of it. It's called the San Gennaro. Yeah, feast the, of the San Italian Gennaro. festival. Right. right. It's, uh, it's based on the one in New York, which is a big deal. If you've yeah. ever seen The Godfather, The Second Godfather, where the, that mobster yeah. is walking along there and they've got the... Um, the Virgin Mary statue with the money uh, right, pinned right, right. to it and stuff. That's the San Gennaro feast. And they do a version of it in Hollywood. And when you're down there, they got amazing Italian food, as you can imagine. And for dessert, everybody gets the Zeppoli. Okay. So maybe that's what you're thinking. It might have been. I or maybe know. there's a Mexican version There's's, of the it's Zeppoli. It's like triangle pastries, and they, they puff up when you fry them, and then you put powdered sugar on them. I'm still drawing a blank. <laughs> I think it's all in the same family. It, it's all the same more thing. Or less. Kevin called in because we had a caller yesterday who put her dog on the phone. Oh, yeah. And tried to get the dog to say hello to us. The talking dog. Yeah, and she thought that him howling was him talking. <laughs> it was uh, it was a disastrous uh, voicemail message. And I the reason I even talked about it was as an example of what not to do. Yes. And so that gave Kevin an idea. Hey, Ralph. This is uh, Kevin, four-star general. Hey, man, I got a question for you. I li listen to your podcast for Monday. And you uh, put up that uh, voicemail from that lady that with a dog that is howling. I got a question for him, and I don't, I don't think it's a segment, but you, you, be, you be the judge. 
how about once a week or daily, whatever, put up some sort of a voicemail that would never make it on the air. I know it's going to make it on the air because you're putting it on the air, but I'm just curious to find out what type of voicemails people leave that you're like, what the hell are they thinking? Oh, no, there's no way in hell I'm going to put this on the air. And I know you wouldn't, but will you? <laughs> Love you. Mean it. Bye. I think I know what you're trying to say, <laughs> Kevin. And it might be a fun idea to do once in a while voicemail fails. Oh, like, that's a good one. Instead of, you know, what I do is I sort of cherry pick through the voicemails and yeah. I put the best of them at the beginning of the show here. Maybe once in a while to take the worst voicemails yeah. I get and uh, explore those a little Just bit. Go all the way down to the bottom of that bucket and pull one out. The only thing is, I don't want to make people feel bad. You know, I don't want to make fun <laughs> of the members of the Garmy who are calling in to help the show. Can we disguise the voice? <laughs> Maybe I'll just clip off the, <laughs> the names. Name. If I can Damage. take all the abuse, somebody who's calling in can take a little bit of abuse. I know. but So maybe we'll do voicemail fails. That sounds like a fun idea. And by the way, it's also uh, almost becoming time for nasty exit surveys. Oh, I can't it's wait. It's time to start There's reading more those. of them? Yeah, we got, a, we got a bunch. I'm starting to collect them. And I think we're just, we have just about enough, I think, to go through another <laughs> session of those. Speaking of that phone call where that lady thought her dog was talking. Yes. And we said, don't do that unless your dog can actually talk. Hi, Ralph and Eddie. My name is Rover. I'm a dog. Um, wolf, wolf, and whatnot. Here, I'll even wag my tail if you don't believe me. There you go. Thanks. I and my human John, a two-star Garmin general, were listening to the Monday report when Ralph said he'd accept calls only from dogs that speak. So John was like, dude, you should call him. And I was like, I might. I might. <laughs> but I just wanted to set the record straight that dog you played on the report, he was speaking too. In fact, he was singing the newest Justin Bieber song. Oh. I guess you guys haven't heard it yet. Yeah. So that's it for me and no LMB since I'll be licking my own balls. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Yes. That was a great voicemail. For your consideration, that, that, that was pretty strong, sir. Well done, <laughs> Rover. Good job. Committed all the way through. Yeah, but what was that accent, though, by the way? It, it was, was almost like a Russian wolf Russian, yeah. like that, yeah. But I'm bark- barking <laughs> now for you. So, uh, yeah, Rover, thanks so much for calling in. We appreciate it. You, too, can be part of Garmin on the Line. You just got to take that first step, which is, of course, you got to call me. Call me. Now it's time to take a gander at the big calendar that hangs here on the Batcave wall. You'd be surprised to know that every day of the year has several holidays ascribed to it. Not all of them are good, so we break it down for you. We pick the good ones, we reject the bad ones in a segment called Holiday or Holiday. Holiday or Holiday, please tell me what we celebrate, Ralph Garman. Just as a quick aside, I get from time to time, and this was one of those weeks, emails from someone saying, why do you explain that segment every time you do it? Right. And my defense with that, this comes from a long career in radio, but also a a great thing I once heard the late, great Stan Lee say, which is every comic book is somebody's first comic book. Yeah. So when we get new subscribers into the Ralph Report, and luckily we do all the time, I want people to be able to jump in and understand exactly what's going on and Catch get on right board. Away. So they're not saying, I don't understand what they're talking about. makes total about. sense. So there you go. That's why I do the reset. So please forgive me if you're tired of hearing <laughs> it, but it, it helps out your fellow Garmy members. All right, today is April 9th. These holidays fall on this day on the calendar. It is National Cherish an Antique Day. Hmm. Are you an antique guy, I'm not. Eddie? I don't like antiques. You don't like, just in general I'm against them. you don't like old things. I don't really care. Well, my mom has a bunch of antiques. Oh, like she I has gotcha. a couch, and I'm expected to take this couch once she moves on. It's so funny, and I don't want to be dealt with this. Couch. They say you know antiques quite often are passed down from your parents, grandparents, or yeah. great grandparents. That's often how people yeah. get treasured antiques. 
in their yeah. uh, possession. This couch has been in my family, I think, at least for two or three generations, and it's an uncomfortable couch. Well, that's the thing about it's antique couch. furniture. It is rarely anything you no. ever want to use and or sit on. And it's pristine. Like, you don't even want to sit. It's where it, goes, it was in one of those rooms where you don't touch anything, and, mm. I don't, and I live in an apartment, so I touch all the rooms. Yeah. And I don't want this couch. Is it an antique in and of itself? I mean, does it come from a I don't even time know period that makes it valuable? I don't or something? think so. Or has it just got sentimental I value? I think it's more for your sentimental family? stuff. But it look—it's a pretty looking couch. If you saw it in like a room that you had collectible things in, yeah, that's the but thing. I don't want it. It only really is relevant if you are a collector. If you're just yeah. living a life, you got no room in your life. No, for I don't. But as a collector guy myself. I have a soft spot for anything that's anything collectible. antique or just yeah. collectibles that you find. No, I'm like. fascinated by physical pieces of history that you can touch. I mean, this room here in the Batcave, and we've shown a little bit of it from time to time here on the Ralph Report via video. I get off on not only the fact that I love the character and I love the TV show and I love that era, but for me, holding a piece of something, whether it's a toy or a collectible, something that is from is over 50 years old. Yeah. That is, it's like archaeology for well, that's me. True. That's like those, kind of those gloves on the wall, those, those, those were on TV, right? Yeah, those so were So millions of people have seen those gloves. Right. And they're hanging on but your wall. But even the toys and stuff, and the china, yeah. and the plates, and the action figures, and things like that, when I, when, especially when I get a new one and I'm holding it, it's like being an archaeologist and traveling back in time. You're saying, this still exists. This has existed right. over generations, over decades, to land in my hands. There's kind of a thrill about that no, for I get me. that. I get that. So I got to say, I got a soft spot for a chart. <laughs> I don't want an antique day, but Eddie's got I, no time I just don't want the couch. Eddie's living in the here and now. Move forward. That's right. Today's also National Unicorn Day. Oh, unicorns. Oh, man. What? Unicorns, are, you have a daughter, so unicorns are big for you, right? It is everything yeah. in my house right now. My daughter lives and dies by unicorns. Really? It's a cool Unicorn thing, right? pajamas, unicorns on the bed, the pillows are with unicorns. Everything is unicorns now yeah. for us. See, I don't, I don't live in the world of unicorns. But they're wonderful, mythical creatures, Eddie. <laughs> Do you remember back in the mid-80s when, they, when that guy did the hoax with the unicorn? Yes. In the woods, and he's like, there was like the whole world for like 20 seconds thought there was a unicorn. And this is going to be creepy, and everyone hates the circus anyway, and now it's out of business. But Ringling Brothers, for a while, one of their star attractions was a unicorn. Oh, really? And I'm not quite sure how they created that unicorn. I don't think I want to know, but they used to trot out this beautiful white horse that had somehow a, a horn, a horn affixed to its, to its forehead. And I don't want to know how it happened. But yeah, for a while in the 80s, that was a big deal. There and was they, that they, hoax, yeah. Yeah, they've, uh, they've come full circle. <laughs> Unicorns have been popular since ancient Greece, and the ancient Greeks believed they lived in exotic India. See, that's the beauty of the internet. You can't fool anybody with that shit no, anymore. Not anymore. Back then, yeah, you said it's over there. You create a story and everybody buy into it. Oh, yeah, they live in India. There's a bunch of unicorns <laughs> over there. They're magic. They poop uh, custard or whatever. Prove they me do. wrong. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, look, if you got a kid, then um, absolutely, you're into the unicorn craze that's happening right now. However, if you're an adult and you still love the unicorns, maybe you want to look in the mirror. Might I'm wanna. just saying. Maybe readjust. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm a guy in a room full of Batman toys, yeah, but, but I keep it contained. You were just talking about antiques. <laughs> yeah, you're saying move on. Well, I'm saying well, if it's an antique unicorn, then maybe you can go with it. But if you're the person who's got like a bunch of unicorns on your desk at work and stuff, and it's a Batman unicorn, hang on to it. How dare you, mm -hmm. sir? You're calling me a, a, a hypocrite. I won't stand for it. <laughs> All right, if you like unicorns, go ahead, go nuts. Eddie's got a point. Today is also National Name Yourself Day. We have uh, several of these we run across throughout the uh, the months. Name we've been yourself. Doing this. Yeah, this is one of those holidays, Eddie, where you're allowed to give yourself a new name for a day. Oh, if you don't did like we, your we name, had that, didn't yeah, we? we did. But this one is a Name Yourself Day. If you ever wondered what it feel like to have a different name, this would be the day to find out. Mm. Call yourself a different name. You can even create a different nickname if you want. But they say be careful because it might stick. No, so don't call yourself uh, Tubby or. <laughs> Shitty or something Shitty? like that. <laughs> yeah. Who's got time in their day to go ahead and just give a new name to yourself and walk around and introduce yourself that way? What is the fascination these days with names in general? <sighs> Calling your kids weird names and people saying, I don't like my name. I'm going to pick a different name. When did it become this obsession with who and what we're called? Could, branding. We're all trying to brand ourselves. I guess that's, hey, that's, that's, that's the point. Is. That definitely could be it. We're surrounded by a world that's constantly branding itself, yeah. right? Anyway, no, let's reject that outright. <laughs> Keep your fucking name. It's your name. Just live with it. Your parents gave it to you. That's just right. Live with it. And a rose by any other name would still sw smell as sweet. 
saith the or, bard. Or be shitty. Yeah. Today's also Winston Churchill Day. Good old Winnie. He didn't change his name. He was Winston goddamn Churchill. <laughs> and he was made an honorary citizen of the United States of America on this day, April 9th. Oh, does that, 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 that day makes sense. So every year sense. on this day, the people of the United States tip the hat to Winston Churchill, who kind of was key in defeating the Nazis and saving the yeah, world. he played a so role. He played a role. You got to give him that. He stopped the world from being dominated by a madman. I think he's yeah, worried. Until we decided to jump day. in later. On this day in 1963, John F. Kennedy, our president, uh, gave Winston Churchill honorary citizenship. And he didn't even show up, by the way. <laughs> Why? Was he old? Yeah, he was old. Too and, old to and come make the trip. Yeah, I believe I would so imagine. he couldn't make it. But his, uh, his kids were there, and they were all very uh, pleased to have Winston Churchill. He could have FaceTimed. Right? <laughs> Lazy bastard. <laughs> It's funny because U.S. honorary U.S. citizenship has only been given to eight people throughout the history of our country. Really? Yes. I did not know that. Six of them have been given the honor posthumously. So they were all dead when they got the citizenship, which a fat lot of good it does them then when they're dead. Uh, The only live person was Winston Churchill and the other live person, Mother Teresa. Hmm. All the other six were dead. So there you go. I was confused. I was down in New Orleans for this Jay and Silent Bob reboot shoot that I was doing with my pal Kevin Smith. And outside the hotel where I was staying, there is a giant statue of Winston Churchill. Oh, you put the video. You did a video yeah. about that. Yeah, I saw the video. And I was like, why is why is this a thing in New Orleans of all places? Yeah. So when I saw it was Winston Churchill Day, that made me think of it. And I did a little research, and it turns out that the uh, investors into that complex that built that square and those hotels and everything all were British, and it was a gift from them oh, that's nice. to celebrate the, the friendship between the people of Louisiana and the British. Yeah, then you saw the statue of me that I remember you pointing out on the oh, pier. Oh, yes, that's yeah. right. You were on the pier. The court justice. You looked Thank very, you. very <laughs> jolly. And you know I saved the food-related holidays for the end because it's always a question mark as to whether Eddie Pence will eat something or not. I've given up trying to figure out whether it's going to happen or not. What we do is we go right to the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine. I pull the handle after I announce the food, and then we find out if it's something Eddie Pence eats or not. Just when you think it's an innocuous enough food that there's no way he wouldn't eat it, he'll surprise you. And then suddenly he'll open his mind up and say, yeah, I'll try an empanada. Why not? So let's find out what happens today as we celebrate National Chinese Almond Cookie Day. If you've ever gone out for Chinese food, you know at the end of the meal, sometimes they'll bring a plate of those delicious Chinese almond cookies. It's like a white shortbread cookie with a little almond sliver on the top, but the cookies are also sort of almond-flavored. They're crispy. They're delicious. They go great with that uh, that uh, green uh, Chinese tea at the end of the meal. Green uh, tea? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> green tea. Why? You don't drink well, you green, green tea? You said that green Chinese tea. Well, I mean, it, 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 it comes, it's, it's right. unique. It's unique to oh, the, like, China. It's a different kind of tea. The Chinese, I think, invented tea, if I'm not mistaken. It's sort of their thing. No. So we get it from them. But I just remember the first time I ever saw green tea was in a Chinese restaurant is, when I was a kid. Is the no almond, one else drank green tea. That's true. Yeah. Is, the, is the almond cookie actually Chinese, unlike the fortune cookie? I believe it actually is. That is actually the Chinese dessert. It is a Chinese dessert, unlike the American fortune cookie lie that is the fortune cookie, yes. <laughs> so uh, today we celebrate the tasty treat known as the Chinese almond cookie, the delicious almond flavor, the slightly crunchy texture. They say in this little blurb, it's sure to make you smile. Well, they've never met Eddie Pence before <laughs> because we're going to pull the handle and see whether it's something he eats or not. Here we go. You ready? All right, one cookie, two cookie. How can you have a problem with a simple goddamn cookie? I've actually, I to be honest, I've never had one, and yet you. And I'm going to judge it and say you're no. judging it and rejecting it outright, I having look, never tasted an almond I don't, cookie because I don't really like the fortune cookie. And that leaves a terrible taste in my mouth. Well, they're completely different. Is the almond things. cookie going to leave a bad taste in my mouth? Like, I'm not really sold on Chinese desserts <laughs> in general. Like, I really don't think they're known as a dessert culture. They seem more of like an entree type of culture. I see. They don't really. They're not known for the desserts. So I really, if I'm gonna, I'm just gonna pass on that dessert and get stopped by Baskin Robbins. You are a dessert racist. It I turns might be. Out. I it, might be. I don't I, think might I, falls into the I at am, all. I think you're definitely a dessert racist. Uh, what, you're rejecting the dessert based on the country of its origin. What great dessert has come out of China? I tell you, they send us the worst desserts. Okay, <laughs> they're not like good American desserts. The China desserts come from China. They're just not good. 
You racist. What dessert comes out of China that you're like, oh, give me some of that? Nationalist. What do you want know. for your birthday? Chinese dessert. Who who says that? I'm not saying Nobody you says have that. to celebrate your birthday by eating a, a, an almond cookie. I'm just saying if you eat a Chinese meal, then you have the Chinese almond cookie. I'll just pass. Oh my you can have my Chinese cookie. God. I just I don't trust the Chinese when it comes to desserts. <laughs> trust them. Well, they, they have... think they're hiding microfilm inside of it. <laughs> think some sort of spy ring. That's how they're trading secrets. I don't know. I'm not. I don't trust them. That's how comes they're to desserts. stealing our industrial no. espionage. No. Is coming from the Chinese cookie. When it comes to desserts. Give me the French. Oh my lord! All right, <laughs> that's it for today's holiday or holiday. Now it's time for all the show business news in a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. We're getting finally some movement on that uh, rich people buying their kids into way to college story. Oh, yeah. We saw this yesterday now, but actress Felicity Huffman and a dozen other parents have pled guilty in the college admissions scandal, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, this scandal, by the way, you know what the FBI called it? What? Operation Varsity Blues. Yeah, it's an awesome title. I don't want your life. It always makes me think of it. Get ready to say it before you press the button. I got all the oh, toys man. here, buddy. She said in a statement... I am in full acceptance of my guilt, and with deep regret and shame over what I have done, I accept full responsibility for my actions and will accept the consequences that stem from those actions. You don't have a choice. I am ashamed of the pain I have caused my daughter, my family, my friends, my colleagues, and the educational community. I want to apologize to them, and especially, I want to apologize to the students who work hard every day to get into college, and to their parents who make tremendous sacrifices to support their children and do so honestly. Only because you got caught. If she felt that way, why did she do any of the things that she Only did? Only because you got caught. This is so much bullshit. Ugh. Well, it looks like they are going to plea out at least the sentencing part of what's happening. However, and I said this before, the U.S. Attorney's Office said they are insisting on at least some jail time. But it looks like it's going to be just barely some jail time. They assume the sentence will fall on the low end of the range, according to the Attorney's Office. Somewhere between four and ten months in prison. Hard labor. They need hard labor. The defense is asking for zero months in prison. Asking for just uh, supervised release. Boo. And some restitution. But I don't think the U.S. Attorney's Office is going to budge on this They got to do some time. I think you got to send a message. You have to. And this is only 13 out of the... I don't know how many, 50 that they say? like 50 or 60 or something like that. Yeah, and we haven't heard from Lori Laughlin yet, so these may be the first group of people who are saying, you know what, cut us a deal, we'll we'll plead guilty, just give us a slap on the wrist a couple months at at the club fed, as they call those. It's not going to be hard. But she should be, you know, in behind bars for a little bit. It should be like, impression. Shawshank stuff. (laughs) I don't know about Shawshank. I think so. Shawshanker. She's going to be digging a tunnel behind a poster. (laughs) Make her crawl through shit for 500 yards. (laughs) Screw her. She sucks. Speaking of celebrities in crime, another celebrity was in court yesterday, Allison Mack. She was the star of Smallville, remember? She was the one who was in that case where that uh, lunatic was running that sex slave cult. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. his dark stuff. He was supposed to be some self-help guru who would bring in young girls and then brand them with his initials and Uh stuff. And she was... The, uh, the lieutenant, yeah, right. she was the one who was sort of keeping them in line. So uh-huh. anyway, she appeared in front of the judge yesterday, and she was also pleading guilty for some of the charges that she was hit with, not all of them. She was facing sex trafficking charges, and she didn't plead on those yesterday. So some people are saying maybe in exchange for turning over on this guy, she'll get off of that. She'll get off with just the racketeering and racketeering conspiracy charges that she was pleading to yesterday, including extortion and forced labor. She said, I'm here to plead guilty before you, Your Honor. She said, crying so hard that the judge had to stop the proceedings to offer her tissues. No. You can't let actresses give a statement in court. I take full responsibility Mm. for my conduct. I'm very sorry for my role in this case. I'm very sorry to my family and to the good people. I hurt through my misguided adherence to Keith Rainier's teachings. That's the guy. She's now, that statement the... makes me think that she's going to say, I was under his spell. Yeah, exactly the what it's thing, saying. Right? Yeah. She knew what she was doing. She said she's very sorry. I don't. I believe this one even less than the yeah. other one. Because if you're branding women and using them as sex slaves and making them do forced labor, 
There's something very wrong very with you. Very wrong with you. There's nothing in that. I take it back. Shawshank her. <laughs> Let her crawl through the fire. She needs to crawl through a thousand yards of shit. <laughs> Fuck her. You'd make an interesting judge. Sorry, you would, would just hand out judge. shit sentences. <laughs> Nobody would do any time. Just be a lot of shit crawling. They can crawl through shit. That's right. She admitted to keeping several slaves and instructed the women to perform services for me, and she admitted in the uh, in the courtroom. So it's just creepy and all kinds of Why is this taking level. so long? This happened like a couple years ago or a year ago yeah, at least. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the wheels of justice oh, turn slowly sometimes, Speed up Eddie. those wheels and run her over. <laughs> all right, let's talk about something happier. The fact that Shazam has made $160 million around the world in its wow. opening weekends. No surprise that DC and New Line Pictures have announced the sequel's already in the works. They have hired uh, the guy who wrote the first film, Henry Gaiden is his name. He is already working on a script for part two, and it is expected that director David F. Sandberg will return as well as the original producers. So, uh, And they better get into production quickly, because I was thinking as I watched the movie, I know they want this to be a franchise, but that kid is going to shoot age. up yeah. pretty quickly. You know, kids of that age, yeah. 13, 14, in a couple of years, he's not going to look like the no, same kid. He's going to be bigger than Shazam. Yeah, like, I'm Billy Batson. <laughs> I'm going to turn into a superhero. Call me Bill. So they might want to get to work on that sooner than later. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but I pitched myself for the role of the Talking Tiger. Oh, you did? Yeah, on Twitter. Oh. I said, I want to play Talkie Tawny. Oh, I'm going to retweet it for you. But because... It takes place in Philadelphia. I want to do the tiger with a real hard Philadelphia <laughs> accent. Yo, Shazams, how you doing? Let's go fight some crime, oh, we say. That'd be perfect. That'd be an ugly voice to hear for a while. <laughs> you may remember my desperate desire to be a game show host when they announced those two new game shows they were doing. No. They're rebooting Card Sharks and also Press Your Luck. Mm-hmm. And I threw my hat into the ring. No whammies. And I said, no whammies. And I said, I probably won't get it because usually they hire celebrities now for this gig. Yeah. Turns out I was right. Joel McHale has been tapped to be the host of Card Sharks on ABC. Man. Like, he needs more work. And that's not even, that's not even time-consuming. They probably just shoot, like, a bunch of them in a row. They and then do. It's the sweetest gig in the world. It's just done. I think they do. I mean, because I was a contestant on a bunch of game shows when I first came out to L.A. because I was really poor. Right. And so part of my money-making schemes would be to go on game shows. And you'd sit there all day because they shoot, like... Two or three a day. Five. Or they shoot five yeah, a day? Yeah, they shoot, like, a week's worth in a day. And they, I don't know, they shoot for maybe a month. So and they it's knock five out the, a day, yeah, five, you know, season. that's 25 a week. Yeah, they knock out a whole season in about so a month. So it's not even a lot of work for No, that's yeah. a big payday yeah. for a guy like Man. Joel McHale. I like Joel. Joel's a friend, although I asked him to be on my show several times, and he said, yes, absolutely, and then radio yeah, silence. You just that show guy. up at his door with a microphone. I'm going to have to. Joel will be on the show someday, so I won't, I won't shit talk him too badly, but still, <laughs> he doesn't need that gig. Here's some sad news. You know, I've spoken before about my love of character actors. Mm-hmm. Seymour Cassell has passed away, one of the great character actors. You uh, would know him if you saw him. He was a favorite of Wes Anderson and also the late John Cassavetes, another great filmmaker. And in fact, it was Cassavetes who gave him his first gig. Seymour Cassell was a crew member on a movie in 1959 called Shadows that was being directed by John Cassavetes. And Cassavetes liked him so much he put him in the movie. And that started his career as an actor. Wow. But he worked ever since, and he worked a ton with Wes Anderson, including Rushmore. He was the uh, father of Jason Schwartzman's character. Okay, I know exactly who he is now. He was also in the Royal Tenenbaums and and the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou as well. So, um, great character. He was great. He did a ton of stuff. He was actually also in an old Batman episode. He played a henchman in the Batman TV show. The one where the Green Hornet and Batman team up against Colonel Gum. He was one of Colonel Gum's henchmen in that movie, in that TV series, so... Interestingly enough, he also played an important role in rock and roll history. This is a little-known fact about uh, about Seymour Cassell. His son, Matt, was best friends with a kid called Saul Hudson. And they were hanging out all the time. And Saul used to be just running in and out of the house all the time. And Seymour Cassell used to nickname him Slash. Oh, are you kidding me? And the nickname stuck, and Slash grew up <laughs> and went on to be, of course... Slash from Guns N' Roses. Wow. So he was given the nickname by Seymour Cassell. Wow. So there you go. A little piece of trivia for you. And speaking of Slash, his ex-wife is auctioning off all his stuff. Oh, no. Here's the thing. When you break up, <laughs> take your stuff with yeah, you. Or else just, don't storm out the door. Your ex will sell it. She is selling off exotic and erotic items uh, from their 14-year marriage. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Some of the stuff is pretty cool. Rock and roll memorabilia including uh, several of Slash's signature 
top hats that he wears yeah. all the time. They're going for auction. The uh, the uh, cake topper from their wedding, featuring a groom wearing a little cake, with a little top hat, and uh, and her wearing a beaded veil. And also, that's when it, this is when it gets creepy. A bronze and leather spanking bench that they use <laughs> during their sexual Gross. escapades. I don't want a used no. spanking bench. I don't care who's been bent over it. It's a whole bench. Yes. It's like, oh. It's, like, oh. it's a padded leather and bronze spanking bench. Gross. Isn't really any bench a spanking bench if yes. you use it properly? Put her across this your table. Knee. We're talking on. It could be a spanking bench. If it is, if you play your cards right, Mister, that's for sure. <laughs> Let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on this day, April 9th. Guitarist Albert Hammond Jr. of The Strokes is 39 years old today. They're a good band, those Strokes. Yeah. Um, you know, Albert Hammond Jr., his dad, Albert Hammond, was also a very successful musician. Mostly a songwriter, wrote a ton of hit for songs people? for a ton of other people throughout the 60s and 70s. And he had one top 10 hit himself as a solo artist. He's, he was a one-hit wonder, called It Never Rains in Southern California. Have you ever heard that song? I don't know here's a I little have. Here's a little touch of the uh, Albert Hammond Sr.'s musical career. Seems it never rains in Southern song about how moving to LA isn't everything it's cracked up to be man right. they tell you it's all sunshine but sometimes it pours man they said it doesn't rain in Southern California well that's what they tell you that's and the, then it that's, does that's, that's you the, get here that's the illusion is oh it never rains in Southern <laughs> California then you move here and then your life goes in the toilet and you find out yeah man it pours daddy-o I'm hip Today is also Michael Learned's birthday. She was the mom on the Waltons. She's 80 years old today. Actor Dennis Quaid is 65. I played a lot of blackjack with Dennis Quaid one night. Oh, really? Yeah. One drunken evening at a nightclub in Malibu. And they used to have these smoking hot girls set up these gaming tables. And right. you couldn't win any money. It was just sort of like a thing to do. So it wasn't real gambling. Right. But you would sit there and drink and just play. And flirt with the girls and just have a good time. And I, I was dating one of the girls who was working there. So I went by to see her and I sat at the table. And then Dennis Quaid showed up and sat next to me. And I'm not saying he was coked out of his mind. I would not say that about someone <laughs> because I have no proof that he was coked out of his mind. So I'm saying, I'm not saying he was coked out of his mind. But he was having a good time. And he was chatty. He had a lot of energy. Oh. And we spent about an hour together just talking, and wow. uh, and he was flirting hard with my girlfriend. Oh. And I couldn't say anything because that's why she was there, so I, right. I couldn't like let on that I was bugging me. It didn't really bug me anyway because, look, yeah. if you lose a girl to Dennis Quaid, no, you're going to do it, that's a story. Right? Exactly. Anyway, 65 years old. I think he's done with the cocaine these days. You think? Yeah. He said as much. He said he had well, a problem, and he does. So. Talk show host Joe Scarborough <laughs> from Morning Joe is 56 years old. Actor Mark Pellegrino. From Dexter is 54. Paulina Podoskova, the Mac, the actress and model. Mactress, I called her. <laughs> so clever. She's a mattress. So clever. She's 54. She was married to the lead singer of The Cars for many years, Rico Kasich. That oh, was a was couple she I never understood. Yeah, that's, that's where they when, met. They when met I one saw of that video as a kid, I was like, oh, rock and roll guys can get anyone. That is true. Cynthia Nixon. <laughs> From Sex and the City is 53. Keisha Knight-Pulliam from The Cosby Show is 40. She was Rudy on that show. That was Rudy, right? Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy is 39. Jay Baruchel from Tropic Thunder and Knocked Up, and he's the voice behind that uh, Train Your Dragon movie. 37 years old. Leighton Meester from Gossip Girls, 33. Kristen Stewart from The Twilight Films. Boy, she's surly. She's 29 years old. Elle Fanning is 21. And Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance celebrates his 42nd birthday today. When I was a young boy, my father took me into the city to see a marching band. He said, son, when you grow up, would you be the savior of the broken? 
That, of course, is Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Did you ever hear the mashup of that song? Mm, I can't hear no. that song anymore without thinking of the mashup. Who did a mashup of it? Someone did it, I think, a couple years ago. It was a mashup of My Chemical Romance's Black Parade and All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. And they mashed them together, <laughs> and it is the best damn thing you've ever heard. Here's a little taste of it, and you too will never be able to hear that song the same way again. Like in that thing you do when that song's really slow and downy, and then like yeah. the, the drummer just picks up the beat and it You're changes. You're going too fast. <laughs> yeah, it's much peppier oh that way. Oh my god, it completely changes it's that song. It's a, lot, it's a lot more upbeat. Oh my god, makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> That's it for all the celebrity birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. But we're not done with the entertainment news just yet. Oh no. We still have to get a report from across the ocean. Our resident Brit, Mr. Steve Ashton, is here today with a UK update. Oh, Ralph, you make Seth Rollins look like Seth Rogen. <laughs> Do you know who Seth Rollins is? He's a wrestler, isn't he? Yeah, there you go. Did, I expect you probably... Um, did you videotape the old WrestleMania the oh, other day? Or no? It's on loop in my house here oh. constantly. All right. Hey, look, Spice Girls are in the news. Oh, you know, I love me some Spice Girls. Well, despite sending the world into a virtual meltdown when she claimed that she'd slept with uh, Jerry Horner at the height of their fame, Mel B denies the claims in an unearthed interview. This thing just gets more fucking complicated, Ralph. So this is um, footage which was filmed in 2000 when she reportedly claimed she kissed all members of the group, but she'd never slept with anyone and definitely not Jerry. When asked about it, she responded, sexual partners, you mean? No, we were best of mates for a long time, but we never had sex. But she also added in an interview obtained by a newspaper that I'm not going to say the name of, um, that the first thing that she'd done after getting her tongue pierced was kiss all of her bandmates. She said she wanted to know what it felt like to have a snog from a woman with a pierced tongue. And they said it felt all right. Yeah. Um, since then, all hell, of course, has broken loose with it being claimed that Jerry doesn't want to be in the same room as Mel, which could maybe prove a bit of a problem uh, on the world tour that they were supposed to be embarking on. Now, the gigs are going ahead in Britain, but the latest chapter to this saga is that they were going to do some gigs uh, around the world, but they decided maybe they're not going to do that now because of the potential epic rouse involved an insider claimed so take that for what the fuck it's worth but anyway who knows i'm sure money can get them through that you know if someone's going to pay them five million pounds to go and do a world tour i'm sure they'll be able to suck it in they'll just get separate rooms yeah exactly which apparently sucking it in was certainly something that mel claims she definitely didn't do so sir elton's in the news ralph oh what's up with your favorite only sir elton john get this only Sir Elton John would build a castle for his pet donkeys and then decide to knock it down. <laughs> this is the best fucking story ever. So, um, so he had these these stables, these stables built, um, constructed. Get this to look like Windsor Castle, <laughs> and he's built for some donkeys and ponies that he had in the in the uh, in the, from the late eighties. But Sir Elton has now said he wants to transform the site on his Windsor estate into a music studio, leaving his four-legged friends homeless. Now, he's filed a planning application for the proposed new building. Um, he's looking to relocate the pets in a statement through his agents, quoted that the donkeys can fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, how unbelievable. Anyway, I've got to go now, Ralph. Look, I've been inspired by Sir Elton. Oh, how? 
Well, as you know, well know, um, I've often talked about this on the Ralph Report, um, I breed guinea pigs. Um, it's a bit of a sideline, um, but I've decided to build them a new home. But just like Elton in the 1980s, I think I need a bit of inspiration. So I'm off to buy a big fuck-off bag of cocaine. <laughs> Enjoy that, sir. I will. And now, because it's Tuesday, it's time for TV Tunes Tuesday. But here's the thing, we don't have a jingle. At least not yet. We had one, a perfectly good jingle that some people really <laughs> liked, but other people bitched and moaned and ruined it for everyone, so now we can't use that jingle anymore. So people said, hey, give John Cooperman a chance. Let him uh, give us a jingle. And he did one, and he put jizz in it. And it really wigged everybody right the fuck out. John <laughs> sent this email in as an apology. Well, in retrospect, John begins, jizz was a bad choice. <laughs> you think? I thought it sounded funny, though. Ha ha. Glad for the most part you liked it. I know you like the monkeys. He did it to the monkeys theme originally. I'm going to send you a new version, taking out jizz and replacing it with something else. Here you go. So he sent us a new version. See if this is more acceptable. This is the uh, John Cooperman 2.0 jingle of TV Tunes Tuesday. Uh, no jizz Sans included. Jizz. Yes. Here we go. You know what day it is. It's TV Tunes Tuesday. And we'll all be in bliss. It's TV Tunes Tuesday. It's TV Tunes Tuesday. Hey, hey, for the gummy. We'll all be in bliss. <laughs> but I can only hear jizz now. That's <laughs> the problem. I think it was better with jizz, quite <laughs> frankly. So and, and you the, don't ever say that. That's something you never ever say, right? I think that's better with jizz. <laughs> that's true. So, but in this case, um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be in bliss. It just seems forced, and uh, I don't know, John. I don't know. It's missing uh, the mark. Plus, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you left the door open. Now everybody's sending in jingles. They see this as their opportunity. Uh, Sixto, our boy Sixto Reynoso from uh, New York, sent this in. This is, a, this is a nice effort, I think. This is Ralph Garman, a man for the podcast. This is Eddie Pence, a man that talks in Ralph Garman's podcast. Every Tuesday, they talk on the podcast about tunes from TV's show's past. This is the Ralph Report. This is TV Tune Tuesdays. Kind of like a Knight Rider vibe yeah, a little, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a little lengthy for my taste. A little, a little long. But yeah, here's the I problem: like people keep to keep in mind when you do a jingle for the show. Keep in mind it's something that's going to be played over and over and over again. Yeah. So brevity is often key to something yes. that really has longevity because that would burn pretty hard. I think if we had to sit through that every week. Yeah, that that jingle could use an intermission. That's <laughs> I'm not saying it's long. I'm saying it could use a halftime. So maybe Sexto, I appreciate it. Sixto, rather, not Sexto at all. Sexto. <laughs> That's something I rented the other night. <laughs> Sixto, thank you so much. Uh, but I think I think we might have to pass. Then there was Eric Kripe. He sent this one in. This was his first stab, and he was very proud of his effort. And I got to say, I agree. It's a really good first effort for someone trying to put a jingle together. Tell me, tell me, tell me, it's TV Tune Tuesday. The one that makes me a child, Ralph said. The one that pumps me up, Eddie said. The one I can't keep out of my head. Tell me, Ralph and Eddie. And I promise you to keep an ear on you. TV Tune Tuesday. TV Tune Tuesday. A little cure parody <laughs> a little there. Bit, a little, a little bit. cure parody. Yeah. Uh, Eric, good effort, man. Good effort. Yeah. I like Pat that. you on the butt for yeah. that. Good effort. <laughs> I, I see where you're going. Here's the thing. Maybe don't pick a song that's impossibly hard for Robert Smith to sing, <laughs> let alone for the average Joe. Yeah. That's uh, it's a little, little pitchy dog in the words <laughs> of Randy Jackson back in the day <laughs> of American Idol. Next up is Anand Ambadar. Anand sent in several options, and I got to say, I think we may have a winner in one of these because this guy obviously has some talent. Here he is spoofing the uh, Friends opening oh, jingle nice. a little bit. TV They don't pick this one. 
I thought that was pretty catchy. I like that one. Pretty well crafted. And I like the fact that it is based off of a TV tune. It's a TV tune. tune, absolutely. So I think that's pretty strong. It's brief. It, it tells you exactly what you're getting into. It defines the segment. And it's, it is a legendary theme song. Everybody knows it. I don't know. I, I think we may have a winner. Why don't you chime in, Garmy? Let us know of all that you just heard what your preference would be if you had to pick a jingle, and uh, we'll we'll let you have a say-so. We won't get you the final say-so, but we'll let you have some influence on our decision. But still, great submissions by everybody. Yes, thank you, everybody, for your hard work. I know it's not easy to put one of these things together, and so I really appreciate all the submissions that you guys sent us. It's really cool for you to work that hard for us, and I appreciate it. So something in there I think is usable. If not, we're going back to mine. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, it is TV Tunes Tuesday. What is today's theme song? Well, you know, you can uh, write me if you have a suggestion. You can also leave a voicemail like Buddha did. Hi, Ralph. Eddie, Buddha here. Listening to you for 20 years, podcast since day one, seeing you at Comic-Con panels, was at the last live show, and realizing now I sound like a stalker. A anyway, bit, a little bit. I love TV <laughs> Tuesday, love the Fall Guy team, Knight Rider, probably my top five. Who didn't want him to be David Hasselhoff, right? Right. Um, but one thing that's been kind of common across all the 10 or so shows you guys have picked so far is that they've all been kind of white. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to move it on up to the east side, especially if Cooperman gets his intro song into this new segment. Yeah. This could be his own personal theme song, graduating from being a one-hit wonder. And if you haven't guessed it yet, the show that I grew up with, the Jeffersons, which has a kid, a little 10-year-old kid, I actually wanted to grow up and own a set of dry cleaners. Really weird. <laughs> anyway, just a thought. Lick my balls. Either way. Thank you, Buddha. A man so influenced by the Jeffersons, he wanted to own a chain of dry cleaning stores. <laughs> Never heard that. <laughs> As a 10-year-old, you're a weird kid, Buddha. Of course, Moving On Up is one of the classic TV theme songs of all time, still sung and known and loved by people today. Although I do take exception to be calling white Buddha. I don't, we, don't go, we don't go for that anymore. Now it's pigmentally challenged, I think, is what we're called. <laughs> That's but what we are. This theme song, by the way, has a fascinating backstory. It was co-written and sung by an actress named Janet Dubois. And here's the funny thing about Janet Dubois. She, at the time, was a regular on a TV series called Good Times that was also created by Norman Lear, who created The Jeffersons and also All in the Family and Maud. Good Times was a spinoff of Maud. Florida the maid from Maud went on to her own show, Good Times, and she raised her family. Right. And uh, Jimmy J.J. Walker, of course, was on that show. Dynamite, yep. that's the thing he did. So she was on that show, and Norman Lear was getting ready to launch his new series, The Jeffersons. And he ran into Janet Dubois on the set, and he said, how's it going? Are you enjoying yourself? She said, yeah, it's great, but I'd love to branch out and use my other skills. I'd like to sing and write music. And Norman Lear said, well, why don't you take a shot at writing the theme song for my new show, The Jeffersons? So she got together with uh, her friend Jeff Barry, who was also an amazing songwriter. This guy wrote stuff like uh, To Do Run Run and Be My Baby and The Chapel of Love and Sugar Sugar. I mean, just leader oh, wow. of the pack. I mean, enormous hits throughout the 50s and 60s. And together, they worked up this song called Moving On Up. So Janet Dubois is the woman singing on this song, and it's so funny. She never appeared on The Jeffersons, but the guy who created her show, Good Times, was an actor named Mike Evans who played Lionel Jefferson on The Jeffersons and on All in the Family. Oh, wow. So this is all just one big Norman Lear universe story. Crazy. It was and is one of the best theme songs of all time. Here is the intro to the TV series, The Jeffersons. Well, we're moving on. Just to get up that hill Now we're 
Come on. Damn, that's a good song. That's a great song in general, let alone TV theme song. Buddha, thanks so much for the suggestion. That was TV Tunes Tuesday. TV Tunes Tuesday. Now, before we say goodbye, it's time for more of my... Inter- oh, i got to cut that part off. <laughs> now, before we say goodbye, it is time for more of my interview with comic book royalty Jerry Ordway. The guy was there when they did Crisis on Infinite Earths. We mentioned yesterday we talked about his deep connection with Shazam. And also, he was one of the creative forces behind the death of Superman. I know these days, every comic book superhero dies in the comics and then comes back a little while later but when Superman was killed off that was a big deal it was a national international phenomenon no one could believe they were doing it Uh, here I talked to Jerry about what that experience was like here's my conversation with Jerry Ordway Let's talk a little bit about your time on Superman with the adventures of Superman you started with Byrne on Man of Steel right? Um, No no. No? I started with uh, uh, on Adventures of Superman with Marv Wolfman Oh, okay. We, when we, Man of Steel came out, it was like a six-issue miniseries, and then they relaunched the three books. It was Action Comics and Superman were both written and drawn by John Byrne, and then Adventures, we were like the, uh, I guess, the uh, third part of that. And um, Marv had, had I, I hadn't even been in, involved in much of the story stuff at that point. Marv had, I guess, worked out some, staked out some space, you know, here's the stories I want to tell. So that we didn't duplicate exactly what John did, and uh, and you know the idea was to go take that title and run with it and do it kind of in the vein of the uh, maybe first couple of seasons of the old 1950s George Reeves TV show um, to do it more crime oriented and, and explore a little bit of the street level crime right. as opposed to you know Superman fighting in outer outer space or whatever less aliens. <laughs> And you did absolutely push the mythos of Superman forward because you were in the middle of uh, Clark Kent proposing to Lois, right? That was yep, your, yep. during your run. And then, yep. of course, the death of Superman. You were right there in the middle of that, which was not only a game changer in comics, but it was a, a pop culture phenomenon that sort of shook the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely like being, for for that brief period of a couple of years there, you were like, you know, had the scrutiny and the, the uh, people following you around and stuff. It was a little bit like, uh, you know, being a, a celebrity just for a short period. Um, it gave you, it, did, it really gives you a sense of how you understand how people can value privacy, even if it's just not being bothered while you go out to have a, a drink or something like that. It was, it was a little crazy, but, uh, but again, it was, it was fun. And I think it, it came in, in an honest way because whatever we had done, I think people realized that it wasn't just a stunt, that it it had some emotional resonance. So I felt like we won that battle. I mean, that was my whole, if we were going to do this, that we had to make it, actually approach it on a human level. And that's, um, to me, you know, I'd done crisis, I'd done, I'd done big storylines. I felt like when you do these things, for me, the interest level is always, how does it affect a normal guy? And that's, you know, I think that's what, reading spider-man as a kid there was always that street level aspect of spider-man he wasn't like he wasn't he wasn't in the avengers then he was you know kind of the outcast hero but he still was grounded by all of his problems you know in uh with aunt may and and all that stuff so um that was important to me in the death of superman that you show not just a lot of empty warehouses being destroyed if you're going to do it show people being put out of their homes show the whole city being, you know, uh, put out of, um, you know, out of their normal routine. So right. it wouldn't just be a, oh, he's dead. Okay, next month, brainiac attacks or whatever. So, and I found too during that arc the uh, emotional resonance of the people who loved Clark. You know, not just Superman, but the the those ripples that affected the the Superman family around him. Very emotionally sort of effective, and I thought that was a strong suit of that arc. Oh yeah, and one of the I think the the val that's that shows the value of the really the stories that we did in the several years before that because we really explored those relationships. Each each of the when we first started out after John uh, Byrne had left, we were doing action Roger Stern and Kerry Gamble, and then I was doing adventures, and then when the books expanded, 
to uh, include, um, you know, well, actually, see, that was a thing. Action Comics had, this is so complicated, <laughs> Action Comics <laughs> had been given up to become a weekly. And then so there was a period of time when Byrne was doing two issues of Superman a month. When he left, it went back to one. So like I said, we had two books as opposed to what was three. Then we added a third one when Action came back into the, you know, and then we had Man of Steel. So by the time we had that, we had each four different books that had slightly different flavors and Jeez. slightly different supporting cast. So you'd get a chance to develop those characters, and people still, you know, I think I still get responses from people about Bibbo and Professor Hamilton and <laughs> Cat Grant and all that, and, and that's gratifying because, you know, for our little period of time, we made those, you know, fans care about regular guys. More with Jerry later on this week. Tomorrow is Wednesday. Oh, God, what do we do on Wednesday? Uh, one Hit Wonder? You got that right! It is One Hit Wonder <laughs> Wednesday tomorrow. Also, we're going to uh, we're gonna try to get some empanadas in here for, uh, for Eddie. <laughs> mm. He's got to eat some empanadas. Beef. And maybe we'll go through a bad exit survey or two just to see what people are Please. saying. Please. Yeah. We like Please. it when people talk shit about us. <laughs> That's all tomorrow. Come on back. Love you. Mean it. Bye.